You often say, I would give, but only to the deserving. The trees in your orchard say not so, nor the flocks in your pasture. Surely he who is worthy to receive his days and nights is worthy of all else from you. And he who has deserved to drink from the ocean of life deserves to fill his cup from your little stream. See first that you yourself deserve to be a giver and an instrument of giving. For in truth it is life that gives unto life, while you, who deem yourself a giver, is but a witness. Khalil Gibran Welcome to the Lost Traveler podcast. I'm your ever-loving host, Henry Cameron Allen. Today, I have a special guest joining me. His name is Martin Tice, and he is all about spiritual awakening, which is something that I think so many of us around the world are either experiencing or want to experience or striving to experience. Welcome, Martin. It's so great to meet you. Aloha. Aloha. Thank you for the invitation. Yeah, this is great. So I say aloha because you're mostly based in Hawaii, right? Nah, we like we. <laughs> I wish you know we just <laughs> we just talked about residencies and permits and everything. So I'm in the fortunate position, even though I don't have a green card or a working permit. I have a tourist visa, so I can say up to six months. And so, uh, but it is, I, I have to go back and um, the, the going back seems to me like always necessary in a sense because uh, the integration part so far, and I, I feel that it's shifting that my, that my, my integration part is moving towards Hawaii rather than being in Europe, but um, I have to go back. That's uh, that's the short version, and I'm working on establishing a refuge or a sanctuary, and uh, through that, I would love to kind of get a permit to stay longer than six months and to be it's, able to work. Sounds like we're in a very similar situation in our life path. Um, I, I'm American by birth. Um, I, I grew up all over the world. My father was a, a cultural diplomat for the U.S. government, uh, an agency called the USIA, the U.S. Information Agency. And so he was kind of a cultural diplomat in a way. Um, he produced expos of American culture, in quotes, uh, mm -hmm. to, to bring to the world uh, at a time before there was a McDonald's outside the United States. Mm -hmm. uh, there was a time. <laughs> <laughs> And uh, our first post in the early 1970s was in Europe. And, uh, and then we went to the USSR and then we went to South America and it was wonderful experience for me and, and really gave me a foundation in a global identity as a person yeah. of the world. I did not feel, uh, a, a city, even though my passport is American, I feel like I'm a global citizen. And when when that passport emerges, I will be the first in line mm -hmm. to get a global citizen passport. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. We we share one tiny planet, and you know I think borders, I think nationalism, uh, are are somewhat passe in our time, or at least should be. Um, 
we yeah. have to start linking arms and, and they say that there's some place on the planet that is your spiritual home yeah i, I found europe to be mine uh, mm. and so i i feel compelled to be here the way you feel compelled to be in hawaii um, yeah and 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 i i totally agree with with you and uh the the like um my my second arrival in hawaii the first one was a really short one week vacation on oahu mostly based in honolulu so there wasn't really the 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 feel to it but on my second arrival i felt this is my this is this feels like home you know and with with all it encompasses it's also that um europe is my home too and that when i when i get here it is different you know i i love to spend as much time in europe and norway as i can mm. and so uh i'm definitely drawn to Norway by the nature and by the people and the 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 speech or the language. I love yeah. to speak Norwegian and it just oh. sounds sounds beautiful to me. So um oh. so I I definitely feel what you're saying. There is kind of like spiritual homes and they just feel different. You know, it's it, my journey has been to decrease my resistance to Germany and my kind of like uh default passive engagement and saying that everything in germany is shit and that everything mm -hmm. all the people are grumpy and i don't want to be here so <laughs> with every with every journey coming back this decreased over time and i i yeah. i've been in in um in my hometown actually for the last six months which was a never thought of concept for me to go back and and uh -huh. through covid and all the all the things that happened I found myself here and it's actually quite nice, you know? <laughs> oh, there is the, there is a going home that's possible. Where, yeah. where is home? Where is that place? Uh, right between Frankfurt and Cologne. If you follow the Rhine River in Germany, then uh, for, even though Frankfurt is not exactly on the Rhine River, but if you look at the yeah. map and you follow the Rhine in the middle, it's an hour north to Cologne and an hour south to Frankfurt. So you were born there and yeah. Tell me a little bit about your your foundation and and how it led to who you've become. Um, I mean, you have you're like me. We're we're sort of Renaissance men, right? We have a lot of plates spinning, a lot of talents, mm -hmm. a lot of interests and passions. Mm -hmm. Right? You're a DJ. You're a music producer. You're a coffee roaster. You're a festival organizer. You're a carpenter. You're a chef. You're a sauna host. Yeah. What is a That's sauna the best. host? So, so there is no literal translation that I was able to find. But uh, what when I look into a dictionary, the the putting water with um, with oils, kind of like these essential oils, on the stove is called an infusion. That's what yes. I heard. Right. And so um, the the host is kind of like in 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 Germany and maybe um, in other places in Europe, Finland and in other oh, places. You have these you have these big wellness retreats that are not yes. basically massages, but you have 10, 20 different saunas and you have uh, a landscaping and you have beautiful pools and everything. So I had been working in one of the big ones in Germany and the host is comes in with the buckets, introduces, introduces himself, says, this is the sauna, which is built out of this and that. And we're going to have a classical infusion. It's about 12 minutes and oh. I have brought lemon and 
maybe uh, I don't know eucalyptus fennel fennel <laughs> oh, and, right. and and uh, I will be uh, doing the infusion and whirling the towel so that every everyone gets the same amount of air and heat and everything and then after oh. that's done you, you leave I want to do that there. if we ever meet in person yeah there's a I'll do that by uh, take me on that journey yeah that's something we don't get very much here in Spain. I haven't been to Norway yet or even any part of Scandinavia, but I've been doing a lot of genealogical research over the past few years. I did my DNA testing and all of that. Mm -hmm. And I definitely have ancestry there. And mm -hmm. I came to find that the oldest ancestor that I could find from any of my parents or grandparents or great-grandparents that I can actually name by name was the founding king of Finland and Norway, which at that time was called Kvainland. I, I'm not sure how it's pronounced actually, but mm -hmm. uh, Kvainland. And uh, and that was fascinating to me uh, to know that I had that in my blood and in my background, because I've always, like you, I've always felt this sort of magnetic pull to, to Norway and Finland. Actually, I have uh, on my arm, on my left arm, I have a tattoo. Uh, of a symbol that's called a Valknut. And it is the symbol that represents my ancestor. And it means mm -hmm. the, heart, the heart of a giant. And mm -hmm. uh, it's three interlocking triangles. Mm -hmm. and, um, and so I, I feel very, very close. And I, I know that someday I'll get there. Um, I trust that. I'm, I've been visiting a lot of ancestral homelands, uh, which has been really, uh, uh, for me at, at my age at 56, to to really come into my full self um, by experiencing the lands where my ancestors walked, yeah, uh, it's been a profoundly uh, meaningful and impactful journey. So, getting back to your your story and where where you your foundation is and how it led to all of these wonderful things as a rainbow warrior that you are. Um, Talk a little bit about that. Sure. So it's it's not not too easy to put that all into a kind of like chronological line, but I would say what what the the, the thing that led me to this point was probably a, a, a big amount of internal suffering and mm. pain and um, depression, not feeling kind of feeling lost, basically not belonging to anything or any any group or always this is why I kept traveling because I kind of felt didn't feel at home, if we use that metaphor anywhere in the world and I try to find that home somewhere else. I can relate to that. And um, so these all these journeys helped me to integrate, like I said, small pieces of myself and to deal with trauma and um, through some miracle, I found a workshop because my best friend was doing a shamanic journey workshop. Mm -hmm. And so I attended, even though I had been starting uh, to travel when I was uh, 17 or 18, I think I did my first trip to the United States because I had a, a good friend from school who was American who moved back. And so I visited him and had my first kind of like flight and long trip somewhere that was that was special. But other than that, I was mostly 
um, roaming, kind of like being lost. And then I found the Shamanic Journey seminar and uh, the totem animal, uh, my totem animal, and that helped me greatly. And through that work, I, I, I would say my, my external journeying wasn't as dominant and I was doing more of the internal soul seeking kind and connecting with spirituality because before I, I was really a materialistic person. Mm -hmm. I was trying to get a lot of money and uh, build it like to, to follow that dream that I was seeing around myself in, in Germany, building houses, getting a family, having a high status or something. Yeah. So, and that's and so try, common. That's so yeah. common everywhere in the world. Right. And the more you hear something, the more you're apt to believe it. And, and in the media age where we get these messages that you must have even something like um, you've heard of the secret, right? The, mm -hmm. the law of attraction. So mm -hmm. It's all focused on the material. Yeah. Right. What is up yeah. with that? <laughs> yeah. You know, I have a I have an interesting uh, a story about that because I, I got drawn to the to the book and to the movie when I was doing my um, my abroad studies in Sweden and um, something didn't really feel right even though I, I connected with a lot of the things and I, I um, got a lot of the books of the people who got interviewed there yes and then some years later I heard Wayne Dyer talking about that they had asked him to do kind of uh, to be in that and he said this is this is not for me, you're focusing so much on the material gains and what can I get rather than how can I serve? And that wasn't in line with him. So I felt like, well, I never saw it that way, but I think that is what felt off to, off to me. Yeah. yeah, It takes just one voice to break the spell. Mm -hmm. It takes one experience to break the spell. And those of us that have had uh those kinds of experiences where it's a pivotal moment it's like an angel has dropped a pearl into your hand right that is just transformative um they're always there those opportunities every conflict every challenge comes with an opportunity attached to it absolutely and, you know like you i had i had a very traumatic foundation i was a child of divorce and a violent home and even though yes i was very privileged a as a white american man uh that brings with it a certain degree of privilege but also growing up in the diplomatic world i was well educated you know in the the international schools around the world and all of that and um so comparatively you know i've i've had a really fortunate experience yeah. but there was a dark underbelly and i think that that we all have some kind of a dark underbelly that we need to emerge from um and finding a point like you did when you when you did your shamanic uh workshops finding a point of of accepting that if it had meant to be different it would have been different that it was there to teach me something and it was there to elevate me to a certain level i know that because of, and it's not that i condone the dark underbelly or the mm -hmm. choices that the mm -hmm. people that uh you know made the choices that they made i don't consider myself a victim of yeah. those things i consider myself a victor of mm -hmm. those things right mm -hmm. that's the opposite of victim mm -hmm. i survived it a hundred percent, I survived it. Everything, every horrible thing that has happened 
in my life, you know, 14 years ago, I lost my only child to brain cancer. Talk about an existential crisis. Talk yeah. about, you know, shit being flung in your face again. Well, you know, there are gifts attached to that experience. It has elevated me to a whole other level of consciousness. I don't believe in death anymore. It's not a thing. It's an illusion, mm -hmm. right? We're all energy. And energy can't be created or destroyed. It just mm -hmm. transmutes. It changes its form. So what does that mean for death? Whether it's a tree that dies or your poor house plant or your dog or your child or your parent, right? They're just changing form. And yeah. it's up to us to recognize. And sometimes it takes somebody just saying, oh, wow, that's an option in my perception. Somebody, Henry, Henry Cameron, can think a different way about death. Yeah. Martin can think a different way about life, right? Absolutely. Or the whole human experience. Um, and that effortlessly gives permission to anyone who's a witness or listening to do the same, to at least try and synthesize that with the tools that they already have in their toolkit. The reason I call this podcast, The Lost Traveler, is because there are a lot of people like you and me yeah. who are wanderers, who are looking for, especially now, we're all lost travelers. Nobody knows what's going to happen next week. Yeah. Right? But that brings with it the opportunity to be pioneers. Right? And to envision what we perceive individually as better in the next moment, in spite of where we've been. Right? Because we're not there anymore. No, uh, I, I, you, you said so many, so many beautiful things. Uh, I, in the beginning, I felt like I, I, I need to hold on to that thought. But I think <laughs> you're, you're totally right. And when, uh, when I look at, like, what usually catches me the most is probably the state the the planet is in, and the the disastrous kind of conditions maybe and how we treat animals how how the earth is kind of like really in in in, in a in a not so good shape shape you know so that 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 catches me a lot of the time because um because of the veg mats the the pain that you feel kind of like the whole world is going down the drains and everybody well, not everybody but people i see are obvious uh, are, are not really taking care of that you know yeah. so um Eckhart Tolle said once that even even we even if we go into the next mass extinction I'm sorry mm -hmm. that the the consciousness and all the information all the all the life is still is still there and it will emerge again you know so that that is kind of like my <laughs> pacifier right. whenever whenever I I feel like oh my god everything nature all those beautiful animals if I'm diving in in Hawaii and I see the bleached bleached out coral reefs and right. so I feel just like oh my god this is all going away and it was so beautiful but it's it it's not lost you know it there there is still consciousness will uh prevail absolutely life will prevail yeah right? life was here for billions of years before humans showed up yeah right we don't need to think about whether nature is going to be okay yeah. right it's said very often that humans are you know, divinely given this this purpose of stewarding and protecting the natural world. 
who are we <laughs> to say that we are the ones to steward and protect the natural if we have to steward and protect the natural world it's from ourselves we have to protect nature from ourselves yeah and that comes down to the individual journey what am i doing myself right because i can't control what other people are doing and I, I still always now come back to, if it was meant to be different, it would be, mm -hmm. right? So that goes for the negative shit too. That goes for pollution. That goes for uh, enslavement. There are more enslaved people on planet Earth today than there ever have been combined in human history. That's a fact, right? When you take into consideration debt, when you yeah. take into consideration poverty, when you take into consideration human trafficking, right? All of these things are forms of enslavement. Yeah. And so we need to look at that individually, not collectively. We need to look at that and say, what can I do to make it better? Greetings, greetings, greetings. I'm Queen B. Divine. The cure is conversation. And where can you find me? At bluntreflections.com, where I will be talking to guests from around the world that not only share their time, but their insights and their tips on how they became the best version of who they were meant to be. So if you're looking for a great story and a great time, check me out at bluntreflections.com. The cure is conversation. And remember, blase, blase means to tell your story. <laughs> Why am I triggered by the things that I'm triggered by? Not that, oh, that's a bad person. We we always need to look for the villain. I think a lot of that comes out of the, the foundation and fairy tales that we're all spooked mm -hmm. at as children, Yeah, right? There's always a villain that you can blame. There's always a dragon to be killed. Right. But if you look a little bit more deeply into those tales, you see that the dragon or the witch or the, the monster was there to teach a lesson, was there to empower the protagonist of the story to rise above their circumstances, to engage their courage and their self-awareness and self-esteem and uh, uh, confidence to rise above the situation. And that for me is what symbolically is the killing of the dragon or the melting of the witch or the, you know, the monster. Um, it's, it all comes down to, to that self-empowerment because that's really what you can control. And even though it's a tough thing to think about, how can, how can this be, uh, um, meant to be how can how can children dying from cancer be be okay yeah well it's okay children have been dying since the beginning of people this is nothing new it's how we respond it's how we feel their presence and find where that energy i feel my son cameron's hand in every aspect of my life because i'm open to it mm -hmm. I'm aware of it. I, I just lost my father in October to COVID. And I feel his presence. I feel my grandparents. I feel all of my ancestors, all the way back to the very, very first one. I feel them advising me. I feel them guiding me. 
I feel them whispering in my ear. Oh, your keys, you can't find them while they're under the couch mm -hmm. you know, out of your bag. And, you know, I go and look and there they are. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so, so it's, it's a skill, isn't it? Where have you found um, those, those thin places as the Irish call them mm. between, between worlds? I would, <clears throat> I would say that mostly, or I, I gained access to them through those shamanic journeys, because that's where we travel, right? We travel into other kinds of reality and meet with our ancestors, meet with our potential in form of an animal, or we meet with guides, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So I think that was my first contact. And then um, uh, I, I shortly spoke about my, my first trip to Hawaii. And the one thing that stood out was there's a, there's a northwestern tip of Oahu that's called Kaina Point. And that's where, where um, there's a, a state park for albatrosses, for birds. And, mm. But when I was there, I felt touched in a way I, I never had been touched. And much later, I found out that in some of the mythology, that's where the souls pass over in, like at that place. Mm -hmm. And that's a, a holy place. And so um, I would say that that feeling was mostly guiding me. That was helping me to make decisions, going to Sweden, going to Ireland, going to Norway. Yes. And, um, you know, so... Uh, and to be open to that and to communicate. I think that is something that I also learned early on to communicate with other things and people with plants and animals and rocks and, you know, fairies. So that is, that is, that is a gradual process, I think, because we've been, we've been taught that this is not possible. There's just, not something that can speak except for a human being and right so so i i i felt hesitant to talk about that with family friends yeah uh some of the friends you know but i speak with my cat every day yeah. so if there's and and the i'm taking her with me to hawaii so you can probably oh. relate with your dog right yes yes so uh i made an agreement when we went to norway this year that every time i'm going somewhere more than one month i will take her with me if she wants to mm -hmm. and so i kept asking because it's a really long tour it's uh 17 hours of flight mm -hmm. and two legs I, we, we're sleeping in seattle so we'll be probably in transit for almost two days yeah but she said she wants to come and so when whenever i left somewhere and she said she wanted to stay she stayed you know so that was an important teacher for me my cat to learn to listen to plants and animals what a gift animals are and plants you know we uh we forget that we all come from the same source when you think of life with a capital L, mm -hmm. it all began with a single cell and sort of, you know, I, I envision the base of the trunk of the tree 
that then branched off into the animal and plant kingdoms and then mm -hmm. all the other branches that branched off into different species and genus and everything. Mm -hmm. And when we, when we realize that we share 60% of our DNA with a banana, <laughs> that's true. You need to talk to your cousin and uh -huh. say, is it okay if I take you in? Yeah. Right. And that's the same with, with animals, right. For people who eat animals and plants, right. It's, it's life. How is, how is a cow any different from a Brussels sprout? It's life. And this physical being that we're occupying, right. Because we are, we are spiritual beings having a physical experience. Mm -hmm. It requires the consumption of life in order to function, right? Yeah. And life is life. It all comes from the same place. And, and I express gratitude no matter what I'm consuming to the plant or to the animal, whatever the life is that sacrificed its physical being for me to absorb so that I can be here and function at my optimal quality. Yeah. Um, I give gratitude to no matter what it is to the life that was that I've now taken into my my own energy, my own self. Yeah. And again, just like my son, who I did not eat, by the way, um, <laughs> his his energy has changed form. Likewise, the energy of those living things that I've consumed have changed form. They didn't die. I didn't kill them. It's impossible to kill mm -hmm. them. Right. Mm -hmm. And what does that say about human beings killing each other as well in war? Right. That it, 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 lifts, it lifts a veil on that process. That is a manipulated process of superiority. It's all about economics, war. It's not about people being against people. You hear very often that uh, soldiers who are in uh, you know, in conflict, their countries are in conflict, their governments are in conflict, but they're always somehow able to find the common ground one to the other. And friendships and bonds are formed on, even on the battlefield mm -hmm. between enemies, right? And so again, I think it, it comes down to the individual journey and how you recognize that energy around you, whether it's your cat or whether it's a tree or a plant, we can communicate. And this dialogue is so important, not only between humans, but between living energies that are in physical form. And I think you're absolutely right. And some people will call those energies the unseen influences around us we'll call them fairies or we'll call them ghosts or we'll call them spirits right and some some cultures do better at that than others mm -hmm. but then you study the history and you realize that kings and queens and churches and presidents and prime ministers and wealthy you know banks and so forth have historically manipulated humanity to block that ability to connect on a on a deeper, more spiritual, unseen level. That's actually what my theater company is about. It's called the Liminos Project. 
and we explore through theater the dance across the threshold between the human physical experience and the human spiritual experience. Mm -hmm. Really, really fascinating stuff. You are a creative person. Yeah. Do you find influences from the physical and the unseen or the spiritual experiences within you that influence your art and creativity? I, w I would say I'm probably not differentiating too much between those two because I experience them mostly as one. Oh, great. And um, that I've been I've been a musician all my life, but um, oftentimes I was standing in the audience and I was looking at the musicians and, and there was a phase in my life where I was mostly playing uh, guitar and singing. So singer songwriter music. So that was what I was consuming myself. And when I was standing in, in the audience and I, there were some musicians who just were outstanding in, in, in some way, also a feeling. I think because I'm a, a, a feeling person, it is some, sometimes difficult to translate that into words. Mm -hmm. But at some point I had the realization, it's not about what they sing, it's not about the skill, it is about the heart-to-heart -heart connection. They are really in their hearts and they let the audience kind of participate in that feeling. They just share that feeling, that authenticity. And so I, I strove after emulating that, even when I was doing electronic music, mm -hmm. which is very dance oriented mm -hmm. and uh, progressive in a sense, but it always was to me is important to, to deliver that heart, heart space, to kind of like create a space in the audience where it's safe, where everybody can feel, connect with their kind of like, hire yourself and just be and float or fly. And yes. Yes. Um, one of the one of the most intense experiences oh. I had um, was the opening of our own festival, which we had really devoted so much love into that was like the most beautiful festival I've ever been at, not because it was the one that I co created, but because there was so much love and everybody was just sharing and there was a really high vibe and so i was opening that festival with my dj set and um it was pouring it was really pouring and uh before me there was a, a dance workshop of contact improv and so there were mm -hmm. just a couple of people dancing in the rain and then i was starting to play and I was seeing no nobody except those people who had been there before. And I was just like, internally, I was so sad because I felt uh, this was my kind of like major moment and nobody's here to experience it. But mm. when I was done later, everybody came, like they came out of the tents and out of every corner where they had been sheltered mm -hmm. from the rain and uh, told me how they experienced the music and how how what it did to them and that so I was I was feeling uh, not only appreciated but that what I had striven for to create that space where people can just kind of like be in themselves and and just experience the music and let their mind kind of like wander and fly and so I feel that is that is how I approach music to give people that sacred space in form of notes and mm -hmm. uh, music, yeah. Mm -hmm.
Your generous sponsorship and individual support of the Lost Traveler podcast benefits the Lost Travelers Club, a charitable project under the fiscal sponsorship of United Charitable, a nonprofit 501c3 organization. The Lost Travelers Club focuses primarily on the needs of parents who have outlived their beloved children. We recently launched our new Brain Candy Project wing, providing art supplies to children still struggling with critical or terminal health-related conditions. We hope to raise enough funds to launch Brain Candy, an arts and literature magazine created by and for these young people. Find out more at www.braincandy.online. Thank you. That's the way of nature. Nature abhors a vacuum, right? If you you have to create the space for something better to enter. If that space is already occupied by something that you don't like or you don't want or doesn't make you feel that, that you don't resonate with, you have to create the space for something better to come in. And I think a lot of people miss that. I love how you talk about integrating that perceived binary state between the physical and the spiritual into one you integrate it into one thing you don't separate them into this and that Mm -hmm. that's and that's exactly where where my project is it's in the space between those spaces Mm -hmm. as a step Mm -hmm. as a step toward integrating those worlds right because most of the world i would venture to say does not integrate the spiritual and the physical into one that they that they require a, a stepping stone yeah absolutely. from one from one into the other to be able to recognize that that frame that we have that doorway that we have to step through is also an illusion it's already connected yeah right yeah. Um, i talk a lot about fifth dimension fifth dimensional thinking Mm-hmm. And, and willing and acting um that's to say when when you think of one dimension it's just a flat surface it has no depth it has no width it's just like a piece of paper say right which if you go into the micro <laughs> of it it's actually multi-dimensional but <laughs> just for the sake of visualization yeah. there's a flat surface and then two-dimensional is what you layer on it, it has, it gives, there's a height to it, right? Mm -hmm. There's ink on that paper. And then three dimension adds depth to that height and width. Fourth dimension is moving through time and space toward, from a point A to a point B. So if I see a door, for instance, I can imagine, I can move even in my imagination between where I am and where that door is. I I can estimate how long it will take me to stand up and walk over to the door, this closed door, right? That's fourth dimension is actually getting up and moving to that point B. And we are all surrounded by an infinite number of point B possibilities, right? We just have to get up and move to that point B. And if we arrive at the point B and it doesn't feel right, guess what? It turns magically into a point A and Mm -hmm. you're surrounded by an infinite number of point Bs again, right? 
So fifth dimension is arriving at the door and wondering and imagining what is on the other side. It could be anything. It could be a birthday cake. It could be your beautiful kitty. It could be a tree. It could be a portal into another dimension. It could be a monster, a dragon with purple polka dots. It could be anything, right? Mm -hmm. But you have to conceive it. You have to wonder and imagine what might be there because guess what? Whatever's going to be on the other side is what you are manifesting. Mm -hmm. And so to cross into that fifth dimension of wonderment and the unknown, you must open the door and pass through it. You're the only one who can do it. And we have done throughout our entire, there have been so many portals that we've had to open and cross through throughout our biographies. Is that not yeah. right? Yeah. And, and so when it becomes a practice, then all the other stuff that's holding you back becomes obsolete, right? If you're focusing on changing something, a pattern of behavior or a situation that you would qualify as bad or unsavory or something you don't want, when you're focusing on changing that in yourself, you're still focusing on that negative behavior. Absolutely. The negative quality. Whereas if you're learning a new way or you're opening up to a new way of perceiving, it opens up a whole litany of options for you. That's where your focus is. It's on the possibility, not on the past. And it sounds like you've, you've been through that journey many times in this life every time again you know it is it is uh it is like you said those those stepping stones i feel are are important mm -hmm. and um i would say my last not last as in final but <laughs> <laughs> recent mo my most, most recent, recent yeah. um revelation I'm usually uh, I'm sitting in the morning and listening to my spiritual teachers, and that's that's one of my favorite parts of the day. Mm. So I was listening to Ramdas, and he was he was mm -hmm. talking about how it's important to integrate the three channels. He talks about the ego, the soul, and the and the um, God essence, the God, the the kind of like the infinite in mm -hmm. us. And to bring them in line that they are not better than nothing is better or worse and that the ego is just helping us to fulfill our karma to strive towards the the one again and so i had this revelation that i kept fighting my ego i wanted it to be kind of like spotless and i wanted it to be kind of perfect in the sense that i still perceive people in a certain way and I still hold grudges and I still judge people and to just accept that and say, well, this is my predisposition that I grew up with right. helping me to step beyond that and to accept my karma and to work with that in order to strive towards um, that oneness rather than this internal battle you know and so i really felt that that this is this is important i need to embrace my ego as well it's no use if i'm fighting the the negative in quotes attributes that i have and um that is still 
wasted energy in a sense. Yeah, you know, I, 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 I hear and have heard the expression, nobody's perfect uh, throughout my life. And no place more have I heard this than in America. Well, nobody's perfect. I want to know who started that <laughs> and why it went viral. Mm -hmm. Who first said that and why did it go viral? Because I think everything's perfect. Everything is as perfect as it can be in the moment that it is in. Otherwise, it would be otherwise. If you mm -hmm. and I were meant to be uh, in a different moment, having a different conversation through a different medium with somebody else, we would be. But our entire biographies, and this goes for our listeners too, yeah. we're engaged with this conversation. Your entire biography and the biography of everyone in history who led to your existence on the planet in the physical has led to this moment. Everyone, it's all been for this moment, whether it's you and I talking about these things or whether it's people listening to us talk about these things. Your entire biography has led to this moment. It's all prepared you to receive this frequency, right? I look, yeah. I say this a lot, but it's worth repeating. It's like, there's this great cosmic radio. Yeah. And you're the only one who can plug in your radio mm -hmm. to give it the juice that it needs to, to turn on. Then you have to flip the on button and turn it on. And then you are the only one who can turn the dial to the frequency that you are resonating with, right? That's what radio waves are, they're frequencies. And when you turn the dial, right? And then you stop and maybe it's one song that you resonate with, or maybe it's a chat show, or maybe it's you know one artist all day long, a special yeah. day, or maybe it's a, a classical station that only plays classical music, or maybe it's you know something else. But that's where you resonate in the moment you find that resonant frequency for you and only you. Balance, pain mitigation, range of motion, athletic performance, focus, memory, immune system support, and REM level of sleep, all this and more made possible affordably with no pharmaceuticals, no injections, or invasive treatments. Just socks, insoles, and patches made stronger with the tactile patterning of Vox Life products. Scientifically proven to work and guaranteed. Now in the USA, Canada, and the UK, Visit www.dianedinkmeyer.voxlife.com. That's Vox, V-O-X-X, life. You'll be glad you did. And I think that's like life. That, that's, it, that's a skill as well, a life skill. And when I talk about life skills, and this is for you, but also for the listeners, I mean, these are the skills, the essential, universal life skills that every human being, 8 billion now on the planet, uh, learns. Whether it's communication skills or hygiene or grief or emotional literacy, financial literacy, sexual literacy, every single human being experiences these things. 
the question is not whether we learn these life skills. The question is, how well do we learn them and from whom? And what was that person's proficiency that we learned it from? And most people are dependent on parents to teach the foundations of life skills. And yet most parents that I know, myself included, when I was a parent, are ill-equipped to teach these mm -hmm. skills. They don't teach them in schools either. Yeah. Right. So when I interview a lot of younger folks, like in their teens, where do you learn your life skills? Right. All that list that I just said. Yeah. 98% do not say I learned them from my parents. 98% say my parents did not teach me anything valuable in terms of how to function in the world. Mm. And I didn't learn them from school. I learn it from observing the world around me. I learn it from my friends and people in my immediate circle. I learn it from the internet, YouTube videos, if I want to know, right? If you want to learn how to cook, or if you want to learn music, or if you want to learn how to be a sauna host, you go and find someone who's a master in that skill and you learn from them. And life skills are no different. Of course, we are not proficient in every skill. You have your proficiencies, Martin, which make you an expert in the things that you have elevated in your life, right? Yeah. But we all also have deficiencies in, in other skills. And so we find those people who have proficiency to teach us how to elevate ourselves. Yeah. Right? So where did you learn your life skills, Martin? And who are your muses? You mentioned Ram Das. Yeah. He's a brilliant, brilliant spirit. And and oh my gosh, every time I... Rumi is another one for me. Mm -hmm. And uh, Khalil Gibran is another one for me. Helen Keller is another one for me. <laughs> who are, who are your, your muses? So spiritually, um, my, my muses are... Um... I have a, a spiritual council, if you will, that is part of my shamanic journeying is, is usually we, we I start or we start in um, in the practice at a at a home base or kind of like a like a launch launch base into the journey. And my my home base is a fireplace where I was sitting with uh, Native American Indian usually in the beginning and that circle kept growing and growing. And so by now it is a full circle with these people that sit around there and I go around and, and listen to their teachings. And it, I've been doing this for years now and it doesn't get old, you know, because even right. if I listen to the same book every time, I still learn new things. But um, I did the Course in Miracles or A Course in Miracles. I don't know if you heard about that. So sure, Jesus, sure, sure, Jesus sure. Christ, uh, Jesus Christ, not as the, the image that I got taught in my Catholic kind of like religious backgrounds, but the but the person that I experienced was guiding me through compassion, feeling compassion and love and, and um, going through life differently. He's there than, like I said, the the Native American uh, Rainbow Hawk and my my teacher. They are sitting in the in the next to each other, and then there's Wayne Dyer, Pema Chodron, 
And uh, Pele is part of the spiritual council, the Hawaiian goddess of fire and lava. Mm -hmm. Ramdas, Eckhart Tolle, and uh, Alan Watts, and uh, the. Um, sorry, I'm getting stuck, but uh, the Dalai Lama. Mm -hmm. So those are the people who kind of like give me perspective on, and they all talk about different perspectives, but what I find so beautiful is that in the end, it, it all helps me to read between the lines and to see where they're pointing at, right? Because that's ineffable in a sense, but they, yeah. they help me to, to be guided, yeah. And what a beautiful expression of a gift that every human being has access to we don't know that our our animal or plant kingdom have the same ability. They may, but it would be in a different way than the human capacity for this kind of experience where you can go into a certain place within yourself and surround yourself with masters, invite them in. Sometimes they show up saying, when the student is ready, the master appears, and here yeah. I am, right? Sometimes it's unexpected, but we actually can be selective. Whether they're living or whether they've crossed into the spirit, we get to we get to form that circle, that council, and the, those guides around us. Yeah. You know, I often, uh, with clients, I will take people into a place within their imagination that they get to construct. Mm-hmm. It's it's a, a very holy place. Uh, it's like a, the Irish call the thin places, right? They're these holy spots of sometimes majestic beauty. And you know it when you arrive and you're yeah. there and you feel it. Uh, it could be on a mountaintop or it could be a field or it could be a forest or the sea, right? Everyone feels those places. Yeah. We, there we have many more than five senses. Yeah. Right. And this is a, another sense that we don't practice very often or, or, or work within. But we have this capacity to go to any place we wish and any place we, we feel safe, any place we feel comfortable and surround ourselves with the counsel that we need. It's all there. It's all within us already. And, and so I would encourage listeners to to create a practice for yourself the way that Martin is, is talking about, you know, by a fireplace or, or wherever it may be for you where you feel comfortable and start thinking about who, who are your role models who have messages for you that you've heard that you want to bring into a deeper conversation or who are the new teachers that you've never known before on any level. Shadow and Light LLC was established by Dave Roberts and Reverend Patty Farino, co-authors of When the Psychology Professor Met the Minister. Their mission is to empower individuals to transcend life challenges by integrating spiritual practices with psychology to achieve peace. They are available for individualized spiritual counseling, virtual or in-person presentations and workshops to universities, organizations, and other interested groups, virtual or in-person book club meetings. For further information, go to psychologyprofessorandminister.com.
right? I can't believe almost an hour has passed already. This this is a beautiful time and space always disappear for yeah. me in these in these conversations. Um, what I do love to wrap up with is asking my guests if they would share the gift of three practical tools from your toolkit that other people may be able to synthesize into their own tools to create a new tool for their lives or to test out or try out for themselves. It may have worked for you. So maybe, maybe it can open something up for them. What are three things that you turn to that you can share that you think universally the world today humans can benefit from? I would say there is there is a, a technique in um, that's called cutting the energy cords, and I'm talking about this uh, oftentimes because it's the first session in my program, and it is the first session in the program because it's so important. I'll put and, a link to uh, that in the description, by the way. So people can so, thank you. Uh, the the cutting of the energy cords is especially important when we are in, in the beginning phase of finding out that we are taking on each other's responsibilities and karma, maybe if you want. So if I'm taking on if I have I'm in a romantic relationship and I'm taking on certain things and uh, passing off certain things to the partner then these toxic not not necessarily toxic but depending on the on the degree of toxic relationships and so cutting those energy cords is important in that sense that it is not like you said about victim and uh perpetrator or anything but it is about taking back responsibility and and giving back what is not mine and taking back what is mine, whether that is good or bad is not important, but it's important to kind of like clear this out and then to cut the energy cord. So I would say that is a very important thing. And um, I call that owning your shit. <laughs> okay, absolutely, absolutely. But but there there is a there is a schematic kind of uh, um, cord an actual cord that is binding me with someone and even though if i'm if i'm taking it back and if i don't cut the cord there might be the chance that this develops again so i would say that is one thing and it is a little bit too difficult to to explain right now but uh, everybody who's interested uh, feel free to reach out i always i'm always happy to help people along with that right and um the second is to follow your heart you know, even even if it like it led me into really painful situations where I ask myself, what have I done wrong? I was listening to my heart and here I am and I'm crushed. But still, still, uh, I would I would do it again because it led me to where, like you said, it led us to the places where we are now. And following the heart is the only decision I never regretted, even though it led me having to leave Norway. I would have had a job. And I didn't follow up on that. And I never found a job again for six months and I had to leave. So, but I still would go with follow your heart, yeah. uh, listen to what it says. And, and, um, unless you're 14, if you're 14, what? don't, if you're 14, don't follow your heart. <laughs> follow your <head. laughs> if, if you're 14, but when you're, when you're an adult, yes, follow your heart. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. 
following your heart um, to destroy people at young ages <laughs> i think and the last one would be to to work with your dreams you know listen to what they have to say and uh, there's there is so much value i i receive in my dreams and it takes a little bit of practice to be able to understand what the dreams are saying and what it means and to decode it ourselves because if we look into dream dictionaries or something like that it doesn't necessarily resonate with what i with, with what it wants to tell me but if i'm opening up to my dream world there's i the dreams have always been one of my greatest teachers yes absolutely absolutely i i went to um i was invited to uh create a a workshop in activism for youth using folkloric theater in fiji mm -hmm. they sent me to fiji for two weeks and i worked with about 30 young people mostly indigenous and half men half women and we had wonderful people join this workshop and many were trans women and uh there were several disabled folks in the group so it was a real expression of humanity um in its purest form and one of the things that i found in that culture was that because when the missionaries came to fiji in the 1700s and convinced the chiefs of the largest tribes of the islands that everything that preceded their arrival was evil right so never again speak the names of your gods or spirits because they're evil put on some clothes stop eating each other it was known as the cannibal islands for good reason and follow our way you're already christian you just have to cut away the evil but that meant almost the death of their folklore and the mm -hmm. death of their their spiritual uh history except that what you find even in in well any south pacific cultures uh even hawaii that the folklore is still told but it's told through dance and music because it's taboo to speak the names yeah. of the old gods but if you're dancing it it's sort of code right yeah. um and so none of the 30 participants really knew any of the stories because I what I challenged them to was to take their folkloric stories back and use them as a tool for creative activism to mm -hmm. bring their message mm -hmm. of unity and justice which is really what their focus was on we had to discover that um and use two stories from fo Fijian folklore to yeah. present these ideas and and so they were all at a loss they didn't know what to do and i said okay so what i want you to do is to go home tonight and as you're falling asleep and entering your dream state invite your ancestors in because they're the carriers of the stories hmm. and imagine first their eyes imagine the eyes of your ancestors what did those eyes witness what beauties and thin places did they gaze upon? Whose eyes did they look into? Who looked back at them? And then imagine their hands. What did those hands make? Who did those hands caress? Who did those hands kill? 
what foods did those hands cook, mm -hmm. right? And then imagine their feet. Are their feet clothed or are they bare? Were they wearing shoes or sandals? Where did those feet carry them? Were they soft? Were they rough? Right? What adventures did those feet take your ancestor yeah. on? And just see what comes. A guy wire is a tensioned cable that is designed to enhance the stability of a freestanding structure. Think of me as your guy wire in terms of life skills mentoring. You're perfectly capable of standing stably on your own two feet, but I'm a cable that can enhance your stability. I'm available for individual or couples counseling, life skills mentorship, child loss grief support, LGBTQ plus support. I can also officiate weddings, end of life ceremonies, baby namings, invocations, or whatever guidance you may need. I serve all genders, all ages. Sessions are affordable, discreet, private, and conducted online. Find me at guy-wire.org. Book your appointment today. And the next morning, they completely shifted into a different energy. They were excited and animated. They all had these litany of stories mm -hmm. share with the group. And we went around 30 individuals from ages about 18 to 30 years old. Mm -hmm. And they all had stories to tell. And that's what I called the workshop. Stories to tell versus mm -hmm. stories to dance or stories to sing or stories to think, right? These were stories to tell uh, in the in the Itauke dialect, uh, the Bao dialect in Fiji, it's called Talanoa Manda. Mm -hmm. Tell, and it was groundbreaking. And for them, for me, I didn't want to be the big white American guy coming down saying, "All right, little brown people, here's how you do it the American way." That was mm -hmm. the opposite. It had to be drawn out of who they are and their history, their experience, their vision for their future. I'm, I I was just the conduit to guide them through that process. And so um, I tell this story because you're absolutely right. The, the dream state is another level of our consciousness that is as real as the physical waking state. And it brings with it so much wisdom that not only comes out of your subconscious, your own stuff, but it opens you up to the wisdom of your ancestors. It opens you up to the wisdom of the Christ consciousness and the Buddha consciousness and all of the consciousness, Muhammad and, uh, you know, name it. Uh, it opens you up to all possibilities. And then you get to synthesize those little jewels that come in your dreams into your waking life. And you get to sort out, yeah, this one may not be the right tool for me right now, or this I really resonated with and I want to apply that. So thank you for those gifts because it's so important that we open up all of us in this time to self-empowerment, self-awareness, introspection. It's not about looking at what other people are doing, is it? It's about looking how we are reacting and transforming ourselves. Absolutely. 
and those possibilities are are endless. Yeah, can I can I just uh, add in one one story of my dream tonight that Please. Illust illustrates the point exactly what you said. So, just a couple of weeks ago, I finished uh, Dave Grohl's book, The Storyteller, um, Storyteller and Something, and so. It's been a great, great dream of mine to meet him because he's such a such a great musician, you know, yes. I've always looked up to him. And so in this dream, he was playing in a kind of like in a um, university context in those in those chairs where you have these rising chairs, right, where people sit in benches and they rise up all the way. But we were in that auditorium, in a sense, and he was just a couple of seats away from me and was playing with the guitar. And I couldn't look at, look at him in the sense that I was intimidated. I felt I'm not good enough. I, I, I don't, I don't know. Basically, I couldn't keep up the the eye to eye contact. And when I woke up, I realized, man, there's something I need to work on here. I think I'm I'm not able or um, in a position where I can meet with with Dave Grohl eye to eye, you know, and so that was a really, really interesting dream. And so it's not about what he did, but what how I felt how I reacted in the dream. So that was mirrored to me. So I wanted just to uh, give an example for that. And it's never or too or too, it's never too early or too late to learn that. Yeah. Right. And by telling that story, you've just removed a stone out of the path of someone else. That's what this yeah. podcast is about. That's what being a lost traveler is about, is that those of yeah. us that have been on a path that is completely and utterly our own individual unique journey has given us the power to remove the stones out of the paths of others. And I think that is, is a beautiful thing. This has been great. Thank you, Martin, so much. Thank you. We can come back and do a part two sometime because this yeah. is... I love this this dialogue and, and there's so much more to, to share. Absolutely. But uh, all the best on your continued journeys. I'll put links in the description to some of the things that we referenced in the podcast, as well as a link to your website and, uh, and your social media presence. So anyone who wants to reach out to Martin um, can do so. And uh, let's keep expanding the circle. All right. Aloha, mahalo. Thank you so much for being here. It's been a pleasure. Aloha, yeah. You've been listening to season three of the Lost Traveler podcast with your host, Henry Cameron Allen. Visit me online at www.henryallen.org. Thank you to all my guests and thank you to my listeners all around the world. I couldn't do this without your support. Let's keep striving for a better world together.